Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Turning to Him. Uh, my name is Zach Batty, and I am here with Todd Bruce, who is willing to talk with me tonight. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Zach. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for asking. I apologize if I cough a little bit through this. I've got this frog in my throat that won't go away. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. You just want to, uh, I'll tell you, my secret for frogs and throats are sore throats. And it's, I don't know where I learned it, but uh, half a cup of vinegar, half a cup of honey, put it in the microwave, stir it up, take a teaspoon of that. Yes. Anything in your throat, it's going to kill. You swallow or gargle? You swallow. It's okay. vinegar. Vinegar will kill anything that that thing touches. So and, 50, uh, 50 vinegar and honey. It's it's <laughs> ugly. It makes you you'll want some pretty gnarly cough syrup over that. But uh, it works for me and it kills anything in my throat. Well, there you go. You heard it. But we're already speaking truth. Um, come, come, so. come for the spiritual uplift stay for the um the uh <laughs> what is it the grandma's secret recipes i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> that's good that we're talking about grandma because grandpa's secret recipe was a little different so we'll just stick yeah. with grandma's <laughs> yeah. secret recipe here um <clears throat> todd tell us about um kind of your experience I mean, we were talking beforehand and there's a lot of potential things we can talk about but Give us the background as far as uh, where you're from, what's your history with the church, kind of the dinner appointment rundown. Uh, yeah, uh, so I'm 40 next month. I'm uh, born and raised in the gospel. Uh, my uh, great great grandparents joined the church in Sweden in the late 1800s, migrated over, ended up in northwestern Ontario. Uh, in the swamps of northwestern Ontario. They got a cool story. They had no contact with the church for 25 years, and they were writing to the church on a regular basis, saying, hey, we'd sure love to have contact. We'd sure love to have, like, get a church building set up. We'd sure love to have missionaries. We have people we'd like to get baptized, uh, but they just didn't know. And, and there's a letter in the chapel back in this small little town, Berglund, Ontario, uh, from the mission president, uh, asking for directions of how to find this place through the, like we, anyway, the, the missionaries ended up finding them. They ended up building a log cabin uh, church and it was there till about 1980. And it was the first dedicated chapel outside of Alberta in Canada. Oh my God. And, uh, and that's, that's like my, that's where I come from. So my, my uh, grandma, uh, my, my, my grandpa wasn't a member and he, he married, met my grandma and wanted to date her. And my, my great grandpa said, you got to quit smoking. And he, you know, threw those away. And he said he was up to two packs of, uh, toothpicks a day, <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying, trying to kick the habit. And, uh, but he did, and he served as branch president. And, uh, uh, my dad grew up in the church and he, uh, he served as branch president back there as well and served as bishop in, in British Columbia, where I, where we live now. Uh, when I was growing up, and I have lots of fond memories going back to Ontario to to the swamps and the and the lakes and the it's, it's a beautiful area. It's hard a hard area, but it's a beautiful area. Wow. But, and I uh, 
I was born and raised in Sparwood, British Columbia, Canada, small little tiny podunk town. If you've driven uh, Highway 3 in Canada and you've driven past a giant green truck, that's Sparwood. It's a, one of the largest uh, haul trucks in the world for decades. And it's a two little tourist trap that stops, makes people stop and they like, hey, we stopped. We might as well swing by Subway or get yeah, some yeah. fuel or something. But uh, it's it's huge. They're pretty huge. And all mining equipment is that size nowadays. But the fact that they built that in the 60s was pretty amazing. But um, claim to fame. Yeah. And I so I and I never thought I would live here after I graduated high school, but I moved away long enough to get married and. I was living uh, in Southern Alberta and I said, talking to my wife and I said, you know, you know, like we can do whatever we want to do for work, wherever we want to do it. But we, I'd rather live where we want to live. And we were missing the mountains. And I said, I begged her, I said, if you know, give it a year, let's move to the mountains, give it a year. If you hate it, we'll move back. Yeah. And that, that was 15 years ago. So it's, it's working out. Um, oh, fantastic. And we have four boys now, uh, between the ages of eight and 15, eight and 14. They all turn nine to 15 this year, but, uh, they keep us plenty busy. They're all very different and have all sorts of character and personality and, and it's a blast, but, uh, you know, they're, they're great. And I, uh, for work, since I moved back, I, I got in at the mine and I've driven a halt truck and I've been pit utility, which means I'm on the ground. We're working with the cables all around the haul trucks, which is like intimidating because it's like a house driving past you. Yeah. yeah. And, you're, and you're like this little ant that like if you if the guy sneezed at the wrong time, you get run over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did that. And then I got into the electrical trade. I did four years of uh, electrical apprenticeship. Uh, I was an electri- uh, electrician for another six, uh, seven, eight years. I don't know. It's been blinking. You miss it kind of thing. But uh, nowadays I work mostly at a desk. And I, uh, and I, well, primarily at a desk, I, and I plan other people's work and I order parts and I make sure that the appropriate work is being done at the appropriate time. And so I end up in a lot of meetings and I end up doing a lot of administrative work, which is, uh, not fun, but it's necessary. Yeah. 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 Are you the type that would prefer to be at the desk or would you prefer to be out on the ground getting dirty? Oh, my favorite job that I've done in the 15 years was as a shift electrician and as a shift electrician, you troubleshoot. And when there's problems and, you know, especially on night shift, there's only one guy there, one guy figuring out the problems and it's you and you got nobody to turn to and you just got to figure it out. And I, I have countless stories of uh, how I have no idea. And I just would say to my, my boss, I I need to take a, a, a coffee break. I need to go have a bite to eat or something. And just, just to get my mind off this so I can, you know, if I stop thinking about the problem, I'll figure out the problem or figure out the solution. Right. And so I would, I would go and I would have uh, you know, a donut or a sandwich or something. And I would say a little prayer and just be, and I, and it just always amazed me that how much does heavenly father care about whether or not this coal mine, this plant is operating and uh, really, but he, he doesn't, he, he does, he does, but he doesn't, he cares because I care. And, and I would say nine times out of 10, when I would stop and have that break and say that little prayer and have my sandwich and get just not thinking, not staring at the problem, I would think of the solution, you know, removed from the problem. I'd go back and that was nine times out of 10 was it. That's great. And, uh, anyway, it's, that's happened countless times. I've had people just, 
And, and I often tell them, I always joke with them, I'm a mediocre electrician with a little bit of help. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, you can say that about all of us, right? I mean, <laughs> the grand scheme of things, we're all pretty mediocre. with. Uh, well, and they used to think I was amazing because I could figure things out. And I just said, I'm, I, you know, I would say I'm pretty mediocre. There's things I'm good at and things I'm not good at, but troubleshooting was my jam. And I had an opportunity to come off shift, come off because uh, when you're a shift electrician, you work two days, two nights and have four days off. Mm-hmm. And so that's a rotating schedule. You miss half your Sundays. It's very hard to, you can't work with the youth. You can't, you know, very limited callings you can get. And it's a challenge in our Valley. Most, a lot of people are like that. So we just work around mm-hmm. that schedule and make it, make it manageable. But um, yeah, I had an opportunity to come off and man, I made a pros cons list and my pros are my, my pros for, for coming off shift was very small. That list was very small. The cons were like, I love this job. I love the crew I'm working with. I like my pay. I like the flexibility of having a Tuesday off. You know, it makes my life pretty easy. And my wife was, wasn't working at the time and we had young kids and it was just the flexibility was great. Anyway, I had all these reasons. My three reasons for, for coming off shift were uh, my family, my health and my church calling or my church responsibilities and being able to be there every weekend. And those outweighed all the 47 things over here. So I was like, I got to go and tell my, I got to go fill out the paperwork before I change my mind. Yeah. 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 So I came off shifts and then that kind of got me in helping with the planning department. And then that was, I did five years of that until I took the position full time. And so now I'm planning, planning full time and helping people out with uh, ordering parts and troubleshooting where I can, you know, I'm not supposed to be on the tools and stuff, but. I help where I can. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're clearly an individual who invites the spirit in your life. That's That's been a big part. Um, I'm guiding a little bit because we talked beforehand, but let's rewind a little bit. Um, to, did you serve a mission? Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yes and no. I guess the, the, the real answer is yes. So I, I went on a mission. I went to Russia, Samara, which my oh. mom thought was a joke when I read it. I've never even heard of that mission. Samara. Samara. Yeah. She never heard of it either. And I never heard of it. And my brother was teasing her earlier in the day that I was going to Russia. So when I read it to Russia, Samara, she was like, you're joking. You're messing with me. But um, I went to BYU, Idaho after I graduated one semester and Hmm. I'm being Canadian going down to the States. You got to get a student visa to get a student visa. You have to have X amount of credit. So I'm like, okay, what courses do I want to take? I want to do a lot of mission prep stuff. I want to do, you know, like a book of Mormon class and, you know, I did a psychology class and uh, I took a language class and it was between Germany, German and Russian. And I thought, well, there's more Russians in the world. I'll take Russian. <laughs> and, and I should have taken German because I actually have lots of German family <laughs> history, but I didn't think about that as an 18 year old. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I took one Russian class and uh, that was it. That was enough. Oh, and then I took a bowling class. That was my 15th credit. Okay. <laughs> that was my <laughs> one credit class that got me to the, anyway. Uh, but I took that Russian cor- course and that's, I think that was all the first, the, the general authorities needed to see to convince them <laughs> to send me to Russia. But uh, yeah, and I, I went to the MTC for 10 weeks. Uh, I went to, to Russia. I only served for two transfers. Uh, so I, in all, it was about five months uh, that I served between the MTC and being in Russia. But it was, it was, I wasn't prepared. I had went because that was the expectation. 
Okay. I was expected to serve. I was expected to go. Um, and I, and I can't put anyone, any blame on anyone for that. Like my, my dad never got to serve a mission. He really wanted to. So he was excited and he wanted us to serve. And, um, so I, I, I'm, that's on, that's totally on me. I didn't prepare myself uh, and I should have prepared myself and taken it more seriously. And, and, uh, but um, anyway, so I have, I have a lot of, you know, guilt or remorse or, um, you know, for, for fall, you know, not, not fulfilling my full mission that I could have. And that's, that's more on me. That's more my thing I work through, but. Um, well, let's, I mean, let's talk about that. Cause you mentioned earlier that you're turning 40. Yep. So I'm assuming that um, this happened about 21 years ago. Yep. 21 years ago, uh, it, it, coming home early was a lot different than it is now. A lot different. Uh, yeah, I think, well, and I think the church has done a lot of good things to help support youth uh, to find the right fit for them to serve a mission, uh, as opposed to necessarily, we're going to serve a standard mission, you're going to go learn a language, you're going to go wherever, there's also service opportunities, there's also uh, temple opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, people can serve at home, and and that's wonderful, and I I, I try and advise and work with the youth as best I can to encourage them to to serve in whatever capacity they're most comfortable. And uh, well, I know but, that any, I know you know now anybody who comes home early um, is eligible for free counseling through the church. Yeah. I mean, you know, really trying to determine hey, or, or, or I think communicate. Look, your life isn't over. Yeah, life isn't over. That's and Absolutely okay, and and actually, so I learned very quickly that like it's it's tough because you know in the church, the church culture, there's a lot of, lot of uh, the culture takes over, and there's a lot of questions and a lot of judgment and a lot of whatever that you feel, and whether it's you actually feel it or whether or whether it's there or whether you're just perceiving that that's how it is, it's it can be tough for a 19 year old kid, 20 year old kid, and so I learned pretty quick that. Um, you know, I need to really only worry about the people who have my best interests at heart and love me for me and aren't worried about whether I served a mission. And it really helps me focus on why I go to church. And I don't go to, because I'm expected to be there. I go because I need to be there. And so I was working through a lot of things as a 19-year-old kid and 20-year-old kid. And um, But I had a, I had a what, oh, sorry, go ahead. I think you were, you were headed in the same direction as I was going to ask, but I mean, tactically, what are things that you did every day? Because it's certainly not easy now coming home early. It, it yeah. definitely wasn't easy 20 years ago coming early, coming home early. And I don't know the numbers, but I know that a lot of missionaries who came home early uh, back in our day um, did not stick around because of that pressure, that guilt, you know, again, whether it was perceived or in reality, you know, unfortunately, we're a church made up of people. And yeah. sometimes we do dumb stuff and Absolutely. We, we say dumb things. So yeah, how, and did you, how did you keep coming? How did you stick with it? Yeah. And it was, uh, I, for, for me, it would help because I had, I had brothers and I was able to move in with them in a YSA ward that was away from home a little bit. I was home for probably a month and then I moved to a YSA ward a couple hours away and I was able to hang out with my brothers and I, those, those were a core group of, pe of, of people that they're like, to this day, they're still my best friends. We still send each other, you know, hilarious memes and reels and 
things that make each other laugh. But, yeah. You know, that's we just have that kind of relationship. But uh, we went and got in YFSA, and it was a challenge because I would get I'd meet somebody new, and they'd say, "Oh, you're 19, you're going on a mission soon." And I said, "Well, actually, I, you know, like I I just came back from a mission, and they're like, oh, how does that work?" Anyway, you get explaining it, and then they're like, "Oh, well, you know, nice to meet you. See you later." And uh, and it was and, and that was a challenge, but um, yeah, I had a bishop who was wonderful. He's uh, he he married my wife and I, and he but he, he said basically, uh, I missed out on an experience. That was what mission was for me. I missed out on an experience, and even though I talked to him about my patriarchal blessing and how chock full it is of things about my mission he goes you just missed out on experience you'll still have every opportunity to fulfill those those paragraphs plus every other paragraph in your patriarchal blessing and and so he was a he was a huge uh support for me and i would encourage anybody who has come home early however early or not even gone um go talk to your bishop and if your bishop is is uh and give your bishop a little bit of leeway because yeah, uh, there are a lot of expectations on bishops as well. But if he's if he's feeling the spirit that day and feeling the uh, you know the intention behind why you want to meet with with him, then uh, he will give you wise counsel. That's not from him; it's yeah. from the spirit. I've given so much counsel in that office that I'm like, that's not that's not a Todd Bruce. That's not that's not a Todd Bruce original. That's something that the Lord has guided me and asked me to, uh, to share. And, yeah. uh, and then, so yeah, be, um, you know, meet with the Bishop, you can, you have a good core group of friends and, and then really be intentional and evaluate what you want out of life. Because just because I didn't serve the full mission that I expected that I would have served, uh, as you do your cookie cutter life or you do your five-year plan or whatever, uh, doesn't mean that I'm still not, I don't qualify for blessings and I don't, I can't uh, achieve happiness and joy in this life. And, yeah. uh, and yeah. you know, in, in that time I met my wife, I'm the youngest of six kids. And so my, my three, my two brothers that I moved in with are older than me, uh, three years and five years. And uh, I met my wife and we were, that's it. That's you're my person. And we got married fairly. It wasn't, it wasn't super fast. I had lots of people. We were the first people in our group to get engaged that, that spring and we were the last ones to get married that summer <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh in the worldly standard it was a very quick engagement but in the in in church culture stand, standards it was a very long engagement mm-hmm. um but you know it's we're going to celebrate our 20th anniversary next year we're at 19 this year so right. it's it's working out and we've it hasn't come without its challenges too but it's uh, it's been great so um just finding your person and she had challenges and we were working together through the challenges so we having your person that really goes a long way to to working through things together well you said something and i think it's it's a valuable and key piece of information and advice that has to be applied um appropriately because it can be a slippery slope to excuse one's behavior but Mm -hmm. But when applied appropriately, it, it's essential. And it was the idea of you missed out on an opportunity. Okay. The thing is, 100% of us have missed out on an opportunity in our life, yep. whether it's because I chose to watch Netflix instead of go ministering or because 
maybe I, you know, like you said, I didn't prep for my mission enough, so I didn't do that. Or um, I was inspired, I was prompted to go into a specific degree, but it was too hard. And I didn't want to put in the effort, so I went in a different degree. So I certainly don't want to send the message of, hey, look, we're all failures, so none of us should really try. No, <laughs> not at all. But I do want to say, hey, let's get it on the table right now. We are all failures. That's the atonement. That's how it works. Yes. And 100% of us, when we meet God, I believe he will absolutely lovingly say, you missed out on some opportunities, but that's okay. That's yeah. okay. I love you. Come on in. And that's, that's how it works. And that's, so when, when, as, as a bishop, when I'm meeting with youth, when I'm meeting with young adults and I encourage them to serve a mission, I make sure that I tell them a bit of my story uh, and that I tell them, I want you to like this is the time in your life to do this there's yeah. no other time in your life that you're going to have this much time that you're going to have this experience that that the lord has set aside for you um you need to make this decision for yourself though yeah i yeah, know yeah. that your mom and dad really want you to go i know that your dad talks about it regularly or your mom talks about it regularly and how it impacted them and the, you know i know all this i know i know all your families but you need to make that decision for yourself because when you're out on your mission and you're struggling and you have radiation poisoning and your back is killing you and you, and you really are discouraged and the language is kicking your butt, it isn't going to be your dad. It's going to get you through those moments. It's going to be you and your relationship with your savior and your heavenly father. You need to know for yourself that yeah. you need to be serving a mission. And that's what I encourage them. And uh, Some of them go and some of them don't. And the ones that don't are, haven't yet, uh, we love them anyway. We love them still. Not anyway. We love them, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't, cha doesn't change how we feel about them, right? Well, and you've, I mean, you've alluded to this a couple times, but spoiler alert, you didn't go on a mission. And guess what? You still have a lot of responsibilities in the church. I mean, you've mentioned a couple times that you're a bishop right now. Yeah. So this this idea of, Hey, I didn't, I didn't go on a mission. I didn't finish my mission. I didn't go on my mission. I'm going to be now a second class member for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, uh, that was a concern for me because, uh, you know, growing up in the church and re and listening to John, by the way, and well, I wasn't Hank Smith when I was a kid, but a lot of these EFY speakers, uh, I remember hearing one saying, um, talking about calling an election made sure. Uh, how do you know? How do you know your calling an election is made sure? And, and the answer was, look at your patriarchal blessing. And I thought, great. I like, look at my patriarchal blessing. Look at how, sh how much I've fallen short. And it uh, doesn't mean I will fall short in all things, but I've, you know, I'd, so there's those questions. You wonder. And I know lots of adult members who never served missions who would say the same thing about falling. They feel like they fell short. And I just, I try to encourage them and let them know that, there's, you know, we're, we can only do what we can do about today. We can't change what we've done in the past. But um, this was years ago. Years ago, I, I said, okay, that's fine. If my patriarchal blessing is going to be the be all and end all, it's going to let me know how the Lord feels about me. Um, I looked at a couple of things. And in my patriarchal blessing, I can't speak to anybody else's, but in mine, it lists a couple of callings that I'm going to get. One of them happens to be bishop. And I thought, okay. So I've fallen short and Bishop's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's like an intense calling. Yeah. It's, it's, I thought, okay, if I ever 
make it to that level, I'll know that the Lord, how the Lord feels about me and that I'm on the right track and I'm doing the right things. And, and I'll tell you, when I was called, when the stake president called me into his office, it was at a stake young men's activity. I was at, um, it was in the stake young men's at the time. It was at a stake youth activity. So he called me in. I thought it was, I don't know what it was about, but when he called me, I was like immediately choked up because it helped me to realize I, I had this mo- moment where I just, the Lord let me know what, how he felt about me and, and where I was. So yeah, it was yeah. a high, highly emotional moment for me. And I had to pull it back together because I had to go back out and hang out with a bunch of youth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like but, you said, I mean, no, that was very specific for you. And I think that um, if any individual wants to know how the Lord feels about them, just pray about it. And, and yeah. the Lord will give you the specific answer that you need. For you, it was fulfilling callings that were in your patriarchal blessing. For somebody else, I know, for example, my patriarchal blessing doesn't mention any callings. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it will be a personal revelation in the Lord's time of... Well, and I would not recommend testing the Lord in that way, because if you say, I want to, you know, I'm going to be bishop someday, and that's how I'm going to know you, you got my back. You're going to be bishop one day, and you're, you're, you're going to be put through it. Yeah, that's uh, what they say. Anybody <laughs> who wants to be bishop gets what they deserve, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, and I, and I never, never necessarily wanted to be bishop. I assumed it would happen when my kids were growing up and gone, not when my you know, youngest was three years old, or I guess he was five at the time, maybe yeah. uh, four. But uh, anyway, we're busy. Life's busy. How do I don't gonna have time for this? But uh, anyway, I also know that from my own life experience that I had fallen short in some things, and I didn't want to fail them again. And so, okay, I'm gonna do everything in my power to do the things that I need to do to to help my ward and help my ward family and help the youth and help the things. And um, I just so happened to get called right before COVID and right when the young men's presidencies were disbanded and right when, anyway, it was all the things I had a lot of things going on, but we just worked through them. And uh, we, we, I think we came out doing pretty well. Our ward was pretty connected and pretty, you know, despite all the challenges that British Columbia presented, our government presented with, COVID shutdowns and stuff. Um, I think we did pretty well. I don't want to say all uh, perfectly, but. Sure. How big geographically is your ward? Uh, it's, uh, it's about 60 kilometers. I would say 40, 45 miles from t- north to south. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so the majority of our members live in the center community or the north community. And then we have probably about 10, 12 members in the southern community and the southern community is fernie it's got a big alpine big ski resort um and uh yeah it's beautiful beautiful area the elk valley it's beautiful it's it's near the continental divide we get more snow than we know what to do with uh except for the ski hill everyone else is just shoveling it all the time so um (laughs) but i I get i get grief from a lot of my friends about why i live where i live and i just said hey it, it keeps the sissies away it's fine yeah, you know, I've always thought there's something community building when you live in an environment that can kill you for being stupid. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, that that bonds people. It bonds people, and and we've all been there. We've all skipped changing our winter tires or held off an extra week, so you got summer tires on, and and 
the snow hits and you're like skate, you're sliding all over the road and you're like, well, I've done that too. So I can't get mad at him, but let's go help him out. Yeah. 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 He's, he's in a bad way. I served my mission in Minnesota, which uh, is certainly not Canada when it comes to cold and snow, but it can, it can get cold and snowy there for sure. Uh, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. So you would have been a hot, you would have been a stone throw from Berglund. Okay. Um, it, it's right there. It's right. Lake of the woods borders, Minnesota and Ontario and uh, Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, That's right where they settled, but it's very similar. Billion lakes, lots of mosquitoes. <laughs> yep state bitterly burn. bitterly cold winters yeah <laughs> but well <clears throat> tell me i mean you, you i appreciate you taking the time to talk with me wrapping up and, and i mean we could do a whole nother episode on things that we've talked about and i think we probably should I'd, I'd love to have you back um tell me again just what would you say to you you've been you've been living this life now for 40 years what would you say to the young man or young woman that just came home and they don't have the blanket around them of the mom and dad that are loving them saying hey it's okay they don't have the siblings around you know maybe aunt susie is saying some uncomfortable things uncle steve is saying well back in my day we just would have toughed it out these kids these days are soft huh Completely not what the savior would say, but yeah. what do you say to that young person? I would say it's hard and I get it. And it's, uh, and, and it's, there's going to be a lot of hard and awkward conversations around it. Uh, but the best thing you can do is to go find somebody who's going to be, is going to have your back and right off the hop, it's going to be your heavenly parents going to be your your savior it's going to be your bishop and it's going to be uh you know you could lean on an elders quorum president you can lean on a counselor family services uh, i refer people to i'm sure they they think think i'm sure family services think i have them on speed dial because i call them so often <laughs> um about people and re- referring people and, and i'm happy to counsel i'm happy to meet but guess what i'm an electrician and and so I don't have the professional background to really help and support. I do have the ecclesiastical background to tap into the spirit to help you with those types of things, but I don't have the professional background to give you tools to help you work through some of the things. So um, it's go and talk to your bishop about counseling, counseling with him, counseling with a professional. Um, and then I, I would encourage you most to just just look at your life and look at your relationship with your savior because that's what's really going to pull you through. uh you know does he li- did he live does he live does he love you you know there's nobody else in this world who will absolutely and unequivocally understand what you are going through he is uniquely qualified to get it and because of that he has got your back and he knows he knows what's going on so pray to your heavenly father do the things you you know. Read the scriptures. Take time to meditate. Take take time to 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 really feel of that love. And you don't need to be called as a bishop to understand he's got your back, or to understand that you're on the right path. You just do the little things each and every day. And and but you know in this life it's the the test of life. This is what I I tell everybody. But the test of life isn't to know. Um, are we going to be perfect? That's a, that's the goal. 
but it's mm-hmm. it's about striving and it's about being intentional and it's about are we going to do the little things that we said we would do to get us to where we need to be and we're not worried about yesterday we're worried about today you yeah. can't even worry about tomorrow because you can only control what you do today so do the little things you could do today to help us to be a little bit better tomorrow and the next day and uh, I work when I was a primary teacher I taught the the children the same thing I teach my the young men now and the same thing I teach uh, YSA when I'm counseling with them is that our our goal is to be a little better every day. We're not expected to be there, uh, be perfect right now. We just want to be there in the end. Yeah. And uh, we can't get there without the Savior. And I know that as a child, youth, young adult, that's a hard thing to understand. But work on it. Give it some time. And you'll start to get it a little at a time. Figure out just how important our relationship with our Savior is. And, and how it will get you there in the end. Love but, it. And there's no, there's no perfect answer. There's no silver bullet. Yeah. But um, I would say if there is a silver bullet, it's going to involve the Savior. Yeah. Yeah. He loves you. He, he needs you. And stay on the covenant path. Yeah. Keep, keep doing the things you know you need to do. And put, be intentional and put effort into the things. I, um, I also like to say nobody, oh, I'm going to slaughter it now. Um, it's just about being intentional, but nobody passively makes it into the, you know, slash the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody passively shows up at church and becomes inspired. Yeah. It's, it's the intention they put behind it. You can go to church every Sunday for six months and not get a thing out of it. Sure. You can read scriptures six months straight and just, you know, let your mind wander while you're mechanically reading the scriptures and get nothing out of it. It's the intention we put into it. And same with our prayers, same with service, same with ministering, same with serving a mission, same with being a bishop. I can just mechanically do the things or I can try and be intentional with everything. And that intention is really what's going to help us move forward. Well, Todd, again, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been, uh, I feel edified. So. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm sorry for all the talking. I, I, <laughs> I love I, it. I apologize to my ward regularly about all the talking, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i passionate about things and I, and I can talk. So those are two things that I work on. Well, they're a lucky ward. So thank you again for spending the evening with us. You betcha, Zach. Anytime. 